Hello, a good day to you, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam, and I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I trust you and your household, your family are doing well and are blessed in all things. We are in the subject of uh, uh, the call of God, and we are talking about qualities that we have to develop and, uh, you know, to grow up into the full measure of Christ and so that we can be able ministers of the gospel. And the next point I wanted to share with you, in, uh, and that was in the context of developing our character, is to walk free from self-promotion and self-importance. You know, it's like uh, when, we, uh, when we are in ministry, and uh, it doesn't matter what kind of ministry it is, but I've seen, I've seen how people become self-absorbed and self-important. For example, I know a brother, he, uh, he played with our church worship band, and there was a guy in the worship band. He, you know, he he just played uh, the bass guitar in the uh, in the worship band. But he was so full of himself, uh, looked at himself as a real pro, and and so you know, it doesn't matter what you do, even if it is washing dishes, cleaning floors, until unless you have a right attitude, it's very easy to think of yourself as somebody big, somebody important, uh, like a boss in that context, and you begin to throw your weight around and be uh, impressed by your own importance. So it is always good to uh, remember uh, that that anything good in you, it is because of Jesus. You know, one of the uh, things about Brother Hagen, and this is a secret I'll share with you, is that uh, I remember uh, one day, uh, we, you know, there was going to be uh, we, we, we were sitting in the green, green room and he was going to preach and there were about 10,000 waiting for him, 10,000 people waiting for him to preach. And I remember him leaning over, grabbing my hand and he held my hand, hand in a death grip. And he, he used to call me Doc for whatever reason. And he turned to me, he said, Doc, do you think anyone, there will be, there is anybody out there to listen to me preach tonight? And I looked at him and I thought, you are Kenneth e. Hagen. I mean, of course there's people out there. So I talked to um, Patsy Caminetti, who worked with him for many years. I said, what was that? She said, he's always like that. He is, he is so small in his own eyes. He has, an, he has no concept of being self-important or self-absorbed and that, that, you know, that he is somebody special. He just doesn't walk in that. He's very small in his own eyes. And, and I thought, you know, that's an attitude I want to develop in my life. I don't want to be big and important in my own eyes. I just want to be a servant and, and to serve God. And I saw this scripture in Philippians 2 verses 5 to 9. This talks about the Lord Jesus. And it says, let the same attitude and purpose and humble mind be, be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. In other words, let him be your example in humility. That means let us have the same attitude and purpose and the humble mind that our Lord Jesus had. In fact, let our Lord Jesus be our example in humility. And then it talks about him. It says, who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. Wow. Jesus is God and he possessed the fullness of the attributes that make God who he is. Yet when he came to this earth and became one of us, he did not hold on to that. 
I mean, he didn't walk around telling people that, hey, I'm God. I mean, he, he, he was still God, but he, he left his divine glory and, uh, uh, and walked on this earth and became one of us. And then it says he stripped himself of, of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant, a slave, in which he became like man and was born a human being. So he, he left his, his divine uh, privileges and rightful dignity and became a servant, a slave. And he became a man and was born a human being. He came to this earth as a human being. Not only did he come to uh, to this earth as a human being, but he he chose to be born into a poor family. Joseph and Mary were so poor that when they took Jesus to the temple to dedicate him, it says they offered offered a couple of doves. And in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the law of Moses, doves were the poor man's offering. When a family had a firstborn son, they had to sacrifice a lamb for him. But there's a there's a clause there that if the family is too poor to afford a lamb, it's okay if they offer two doves. So that's how humble, what hum, humble circumstances the Lord Jesus was born into. He who is God who created all things, he left his divine glory, his throne, and became to this earth and became a man. Not only did he become a man, but <coughs> he was born into a poor family. He was born in a stable. He should have been born in the palace in Jerusalem, not far away, but he was born in a stable. And then verse eight, and after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself even farther and carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. He says then after he became a human, a human, he abased, he lowered, he humbled himself even farther. And then it says, and he carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, because he stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and has fully bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Hallelujah. So, you know, it is uh, one part of our character development is to walk free from self-promotion and self-importance and to humble and abase ourselves. That is what Jesus did. Jesus abased himself. He he humbled himself and not only did he humble himself, he humbled himself even more. He lowered himself and humbled himself as much as he could to the point that he bore upon himself the sins of all mankind and he died upon the cross. And it is because he humbled himself and lowered himself that God has exalted him to the highest place and given him to the, to the name that is above every name. And he is our example. And that is why it says in, in verse five, let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let Jesus be our example in humility. That means that you and I, as ministers of the gospel, as servants of God, let us humble ourselves and lower ourselves in the eyes of God and even before man. And then God will honor us and God will exalt us. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, after that was the end of the development of character. Now we go to the next point and where we have to develop. And we have to develop in the knowledge of the word of God. In the knowledge 
of the Word of God. That is absolutely essential if we are going to serve God and we are going to be in the ministry. Now, uh, I want to share the following things with you. Firstly, there's a scripture, uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, okay? It says, study, and I'm reading from the, King, uh, from the Amplified, study and be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to God. Approved a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing. That means rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of, word of truth. That means, and in the King James it says, study to show yourself approved unto God. And it's actually talking about study. So we should study the word of God to show ourselves uh, approved unto God, a workman who should not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That means we can correctly and accurately and skillfully teach the word of truth. That is a must for every believer. We should all have a good working knowledge of the word of God. Now, let me, uh, let me clarify this further. Now, of course, if you, uh, if you have a ministry that does not entail you teaching people in any way, uh, even then, for your own sake, you need to have a good working knowledge of the word of God. But if you are in some kind of ministry where you are involved teaching or disciple other, discipling others, and let's not, let's not talk about the five-fold ministry gifts, but let's talk about, um, say, for example, you have the ministry of, um, of giving. Say giving, that's your ministry. Or teaching others, right? Teaching others. So, or discipling others. So then uh, you are in a place where you have to teach other people. And to be able to skillfully teach other people, you should have a good standard of knowledge of the Word of God. Of course, if you're going to be in full-time ministry as an apostle or a prophet or evangelist, pastor and teacher, you need to have a very strong knowledge of the Word of God. Now, uh, you know, the thing is that sometimes you're in, a, you're in a ministry where you're not really teaching people. Say, for example, you're working in the church cafeteria and that's your burden and you want to help, you know, or you want to uh, clean, you want to help the church in cleaning or you want to teach the children and that's what you want to do. Uh, and so you might say, well, doing that, I don't really need a good uh, solid knowledge of the word of God. But don't say that. You never know where else God will take you because I've noticed this, that a person who is eager to be used by God. God, God always takes them to different things. They never stay with one thing and, 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 and they end up because the ultimate really is to be in a place where you're influencing other people. You <coughs> always begin in a place where you're working to help. But the, the next level is basically to be in a ministry where you're teaching and helping other people. So that's why I said, if you're in a ministry like teaching Sunday school, you're influencing people and you need to have a good, solid um, 
solid, uh, how do you say, um, uh, I don't want to use the word mastery, but knowledge of the word of God. So you can commit, you can rightfully and skillfully divide the word of truth and, and, and give people spiritual food and teach them. It is of utmost importance because today you might say, well, I'm just helping in the cafeteria. I'm not teaching anybody, but you never know because if you're faithful there, you never know. The pastor might say to you, hey, brother, I want you to help teach the married couples because I watched you and your wife. You and your wife have a good marriage, a good family. You're raising good kids. And some of these people in the church, they need help. They need someone like you to teach them. And so suddenly you're, you have been helping in the cafeteria or you'll be, you're helping in the office doing practical things. Now you are, you are in a place where other people are there to hear you teach and you can speak and impart life to them. And so uh, never say that I will never be in a position where I don't need to be good and skillful with the word of God. So it's very important that uh, what you do, the first thing is you study. I mean, read good books and study the Bible. Be a student of the Bible. A lot of people these days, you know, when I was a new believer, I was very blessed because the people who discipled me, they really pushed hard on uh, personal study of the Bible. Whether you're called to the ministry or not, uh, you have to study the Bible. They told us the importance of it. So all of me, us, me and my friends, we, you know, we always went to church with the Bibles. We knew the scriptures. Today, uh, one of the very bad signs is people don't even carry their Bibles to church. And I understand some people have the Bible in their phone and all that, but many don't even do that. They don't even look at the Bible. They look at the few verses three or four times during the sermon. They have the verses on the overhead and they read it on the overhead. But, they, but you know what? If a person doesn't take his Bible to church, 99% of the time, I bet he doesn't even pick it up and read it at home. Because many people think that they can listen to sermons or... or, 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 or uh, just or, or some of you are thinking you hear listen to me preach so you don't have to do the Bible. Listen, whatever I teach, even if I teach good things, my teaching, good teaching, good preaching can inspire you. But only the word of God can build you up and impart life in it. It doesn't matter how good Christopher Alam or how proficiently, proficiently, uh, proficiently Christopher Alam teaches or preaches. My words can never impart life and faith to you. Only the word of God can do that. So you need to develop your personal uh, relationship with the word of God. And not only that, but Paul said, he talked about the Bereans. Uh, he told the Corinthians about the Bereans. He said the Bereans were more noble than anybody else because when I preached, they checked the scriptures to see if it was so. So whatever I'm teaching, you might say, oh, I like Pastor Christopher. I like his teaching. No, no, no. You better check everything I say by the scripture. And you only accept those things which I say, which are in line with the scripture. So you, your, your first loyalty, your first life is in the scripture. You should have a very close and tight relationship with the word of God, because that is your daily bread. That is the food that you eat. That is your source of life. Jesus said in John 6, 63, my word, <coughs> I'm sorry, my words, they are spirit and they are life. So, you know, so you need the word of God to live, 
That is your daily bread. So you live, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. So anyway, so you develop yourself in the word for your own life. Then you develop yourself in the word to help others, to teach others, to teach your children, to pass truths down to others. And, and you cannot preach, you cannot, uh, not preach, but you cannot pass down spiritual concepts unless you have studied the word of God. You can't get things out of other people's sermons and base your life on them. A lot of people these days, they, pastors, a lot of pastors, not all pastors, I'm not talking about my personal friends, but a lot of pastors don't encourage Bible reading. I was in a big church in London. I, I won't tell you the name of the of the network, the fellowship, and nobody there had their Bible. And when the preacher got up and preached, he didn't even read the scripture. He just talked stories. And he talked about, oh, we want to see miracles. And I was thinking, how will they say miracles without the word of God? And so a lot of people, even if they're genuine, they genuinely are hungry for God. Young people, they come to church. And unless we as ministers of the gospel can teach them, can teach them the importance of studying the word of God. They will never learn. As a result, we have a lot of people who have very confused be beliefs with it. For example, they have very confused beliefs when it comes to sexuality. You know, uh, uh, is it okay for people of the same sex to marry? Or what does the Bible say? Or is it men and women? I mean, what does the Bible say? They don't know. They're confused. Why? Because their pastors are afraid to tell them the Bible, what the Bible teaches because they're afraid that it'll get out into the media and they'd be called some kind of phobic of one sort or the other. So they don't talk about these issues. But what they talk about is love, how God loves everybody and people need to be saved and, and we shouldn't judge, only God should judge, we should only love. So people come home, uh, this is their takeaway. Well, we should love everybody because God loves everybody and we shouldn't judge anybody. So if you stand up and quote a scripture that points to any kind of human behavior and tell them that it is wrong, suddenly you are being judgmental and you're unloving. And so we have a whole generation, uh, we have young people in charismatic Pentecostal churches who live sexually immoral lives because nobody tells them it is wrong. Beloved, we need to teach and preach the word of God. We need to teach people to study the word of God for themselves so they know what is right and what is wrong. People need to learn right from wrong. Now, that's the first thing. So to be able to teach, you have to be proficient in the word of God. Now, you know, my now, if you're going to be in full-time ministry, then I would advise you, go to a good Bible college. And that is the best investment my wife and I ever made. My wife went to, there's a, a Bible school in Uppsala, Sweden called Johanne Lund. She went to Johanne Lund. And around the same time she was in Johanne Lund, I didn't know her then. I went to the Torchbearers Bible School uh, in Holsbybrunn in the south of Sweden. And both these schools were not charismatic schools. They were not Pentecostal schools, but they were solid evangelical schools. They taught many good things. Uh, some of the things, you know, I don't agree with, but most of it was good. And I was built up. I learned a lot. And then we met, we got married, and then we went to Rayma Bible Training Center in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and that changed our lives. And I remember, uh, you know, I, it was such a learning experience for us that year. And when we finished Rayma, we came back to Sweden 
and we came back to Sweden and uh, nobody, you know, I mean, I had no open doors to preach. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. So uh, I couldn't itinerate because no pastor knew me. No, I mean, nobody knew me. I was an unknown entity. So I, but I had learned some things at Rayma. So I decided I'm going to start a Bible school. So I kind of advertised. I'm starting a Bible school three nights a week or four nights a week. And I think about 30, 32 people signed up. So you know what I did? I applied my, I applied the things that I had learned at Rhema. One of the things I'd learned to Rhema, of course, I learned about prayer, faith, gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, biblical concepts. But one of the things that I had learned at Rhema by watching the teacher was to see how they structured the contents of their subjects, how they actually constructed subjects and how they constructed a, a curriculum, a syllabus and the lessons. So I did that. So I prepared a series on righteousness. I did a series on healing. I did a series on the Holy Spirit. I did a series on faith. So I did that and I taught those things just like I had heard my teachers teach at Rhema. And then a friend of mine started a bigger Bible school and he asked me if I would help him. It would be a national Bible school at a national level. So I took some of my students and moved there. And I, I was one of the founders of his school and church. And I taught there. And you know what? I mean, before that, I was just a street evangelist. I just was on the streets and uh, witnessing to people, Jesus is Lord, get saved. That was it. That was the extent of my knowledge. But Bible school equipped me with so much that suddenly I could actually construct subjects in a way that made sense to the students, that could actually impart something to them. And I was teaching at the schools and I must have done a good job because my students said, oh, you are one of our favorite teachers. So I taught there for four years. And, and it is the things that I learned there that enabled me to teach you today, to sit down and construct my lessons and to teach you, you know, uh, uh, from teach, teach you these concepts that I have been doing for the past few months. So uh, if you if you have that time to spare, uh, you must go to Bible school, even if you're not called to the five-fold ministry gifts. But if you're called to the five-fold ministry gifts, you're called to be, uh, uh, you know, an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, then I say to you, you must, I must emphasize it, you must go to a big, I mean, a good Bible college. You can go to Rhema, uh, or you can go to one of the Assemblies of God uh, uh, universities. We got Valley Forge University here, and we got um, Southwest Assemblies of God. We 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 got Northwest and uh, the North Central School, and we got the Northeast, and we got uh, Southeast Assembly of God. The Assembly of God has got a good number of colleges and universities, and where you can go and be trained for the ministry. And believe me. It will pay off. It'll pay off manifold because you will be able to impart to those people who listen to you and you, but before that, you will learn a lot yourself. Praise God. I've never met anybody who's gone to a Bible college and has been disappointed because you know what? Uh, don't ever say that you will, God will keep you at a place where you will uh, never get beyond just preaching the simple gospel that Jesus died for you. Now, that is the main message. But, you know, I was doing my crusades in Africa and then... Uh, 
But then I suddenly realized that people were getting saved. We had to disciple them and we had to train pastors. So I had a couple from Sweden, uh, Mats and Christina Swanstrom, and they joined me and they began to teach pastors and organize the follow-up. And they did a great job with that. But then I found out there were times I had to teach the pastors. So, so over the years, although I started as a street evangelist, I've become quite proficient at teaching at Bible schools, teaching pastors. And I've done this for uh, like 40 some years and, and I, I continue to do that. But this is something that I have developed. So uh, and this is I'm thanking the Lord for my Bible college training, which enabled me you know, to do the ministry that I'm doing. So today you can put me in any situation. You can put me on a platform before a crowd at a gospel crusade. You can put me before pastors to teach them. You can put me in a Bible college to teach students and subject, and I can do it. I can do it well because this is something that I have worked on in which I've developed. So learn to uh, study and be, uh, you know, a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth. It's very important that we learn to rightly divide the truth, to bring the word of God with balance and with accuracy. Praise God. Now, <coughs> another thing, another benefit of the word of God is this. Through the word of God, you develop faith. Faith is of utmost importance because, you know, I, I said about Stephen. Stephen wasn't even a, a, an apostle or a prophet, or a teacher, pastor, evangelist. Stephen was an one who waited on tables, uh, and but God used him mightily. Signs and wonders and miracles flowed from his hands so that he got everybody's attention. And, and so what happened? God wants to use you, but for signs and wonders and miracles for, to flow through your hands, You've got to have faith. They don't come without faith. And faith comes only in one way. You cannot lay hands on somebody to impart faith. You cannot pray in faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, the more you yield to the word of God, the greater the level of faith in your heart. So when you are in the ministry, either in a in a, in a supportive ministry or in a full-time ministry, you will always find yourself ministering to people's needs. So I remember when I first came to Sweden, my first job, I worked as a dishwasher. And then I remember my second job, I was cleaning toilets. I was ministering full-time, but I had to work a certain number of hours each day just to support myself. And then I would do ministry full-time every day. So I worked very hard from morning to night. So I remember my job as a janitor, cleaning floors, cleaning toilets, and, and you know, they just uh, treated me. I was this immigrant fellow, and uh, uh, they were very disrespectful toward me, especially when I said I was a Christian. Then you would pull out pornography in front of me, try to taunt me and all that. Uh, but I kind of, you know, walked with self-respect. And then uh, one day there was a situation my boss, the lady who was my supervisor, she was very worried. I asked her what, she, what it was, and it was one of her children. I said, let me pray for you. She said, pray? I said, I'm a Christian, I'll pray. So I prayed for the child, and the child was healed. After that, she began to ask me for prayer requests. Anything wrong in her life or in her family, she would come to me. Then the others began to come to me. Soon they developed a respect for me. So, uh, because they knew that I was a man who had faith. I was a man 
who knew, who knew the word of God. So when they had a question, I always had a solution for them from the word of God. So that is, you know, if you have faith, if you're a man or a woman of faith, people will respect you and they will come to you for help because people out there are looking for somebody who has faith. Somebody who has a hot wire with God, somebody who can talk to God, somebody whose prayers are heard. And you should be that man or woman who has faith. And faith comes only in one way. In Romans 10, 17, it says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more you give yourself to the word of God, the greater your faith would be. Now, if you want to develop in faith, this is what you do. You study the word of God. You study, take time in the word of God. That's the first thing. The second thing is that you speak the word of God. Confess and speak the word of God. Speak the word of God over your life. Speak the word of God over the lives of other people. Just speak, speak, speak healing, speak life. Whatever the word of God says, speak it out. Speak life, speak health, speak healing, speak restoration, speak the word of God. Over yourself, your family, over your friends, or over the people around you, speak the word of God. And thirdly, firstly, you hear the word of God. Secondly, you believe the word of God. Believe what the word of God says. Thirdly, you speak the word of God. And fourthly, act according to the word of God. That means you do what the word of God says. The Bible says they shall lay their hands upon the sick and they shall recover. In other words, people will get healed when you lay your hands upon the sick. When you don't lay your hands upon the sick, doesn't matter how much you believe, they will not be healed. So you've got to begin to speak out and act out and, you know, live in the word of God. And that is one of the keys to being successful in the ministry, whether it is a supportive ministry or in the full-time ministry. So uh, two things. Firstly, the word of God, for you to be proficient in the word of God, a workman who needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth in every situation, proficient and strong with the scriptures, being able to teach and impart the scriptures to others. And secondly, being strong in your personal faith and your assurance with God so that you can bring down the power and bring down God's blessings, bring down healing upon other people's life and minister to them. Praise God. Well, I'll stop here now and we will continue tomorrow. And we've talked about uh, developing the knowledge of the Word of God. And uh, tomorrow we'll talk about developing a good prayer life. So uh, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, pray for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for your hand upon their lives. I ask you to touch them. I ask you to bless them and strengthen them. Lord, use them mightily for your glory. Bless them, bless their families in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you, my friends.